This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, the Adam Hawkins, and we're joined in studio again today by David Roark. Adam, how are you? Glad to have you back. Wow. I am mm. doing well. <laughs> <laughs> and David, how are you today, buddy? Doing well as well. Good. On this episode, we're going to do a little bit of a different direction than the normal. We're going to spend a whole episode reflecting on the life and career of Mr. Fred Rogers, who you probably know as just Mr. Rogers from his neighborhood. Uh, won't you be my neighbor? Adam, how does the song go? Sing it. <laughs> Come on. I don't know. I just really loved everything you did. I just stumbled through that pretty well, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I love that you just kind of tell off at the end. <laughs> Won't you be? Well, here's the thing. The script kind of fell behind the microphone, and I couldn't do both talking. Uh, everybody, tie up your laces, and let's get ready for a great discussion mm. on Mr. Rogers. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood A beautiful day for a neighbor Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood A neighborly day for a beauty Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor Just like you I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood With you so Let's make the most of this beautiful day Since we're together, we might as well say Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? All right, David, this was your brilliant idea. Why are we talking about <laughs> Mr. Rogers today? Honestly, the first time I heard you say, let's do an episode of Mr. Rogers, I thought, really, for a whole episode? Yeah, you doubted me, man. I doubted you. I was wrong. Though. You really did. Uh, I can admit I'm wrong, and this is the first time, but I'm willing to admit it. David, I, why, why are we talking about Mr. Rogers? I think that can, well, it sort of was brought to mind because there's this new documentary out um, called Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is just uh, you know a look into the life of Fred Rogers, and that drew it to my attention. I hadn't thought about him. You hadn't been like fixated. Yeah, I hadn't been fixating <laughs> on Mr. Rogers. I mean, my my two daughters watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Oh, yeah. And they've recently begun to watch just Mr. Rogers. So for those who don't know, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood is like an offshoot of the original Mr. Rogers. It's like yeah. taking a character from that. It's almost like a spin-off comedy. Yeah, that's you know? a, the technical term is spin-off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. You have, you have multiple <laughs> characters, multiple songs, somewhat of the same universe, but uh -huh. it's it's animated, you know, and nothing on Mr. Rogers was animated. It's very far from yeah. being animated. So, um, yeah, and then, like, I thought about, I saw this documentary, I saw the trailer, and then I was just thinking about some of the conversations I'd had with my daughter in light of both of those shows, and I'm like, you know what? He is a really interesting person, and the things that he was about are super, I guess you could say, um, poignant or mm -hmm. pertinent, just given like our cultural conversation right now and how the world just sometimes feels so chaotic, so divisive when it comes yeah. to race, politics. And here was a guy who was like stepping in and, you know, he had a much a message of hope, a message of racial harmony. Uh, it, and this is like, you know, 
20 years ago. Yeah. In fact, one of the things as I watched that documentary film you just mentioned that I noticed that I hadn't thought about is how how different his voice was at his time and how different it is at our time and how uh, that difference is good. It's almost like a, a, a disruptive force, a disruptive voice in a way that shakes you back to, oh, yeah, what is true? So I was really glad to watch the documentary. I got that opportunity last week to see it and really blessed to get a chance to talk to the director. So uh, we're going to play for you a little bit of the interview that we had with the director, Morgan Neville, and let him tell you a little bit about that film. And then we'll come back and we'll talk more about Mr. Rogers. My name's Morgan Neville, and I'm the director of Won't You Be My Neighbor, a documentary about Fred Rogers. So, Morgan, let's start like this. Uh, what motivated you to direct this movie in particular, and what was the process like for you? I mean, I grew up with Mr. Rogers as a young child. I loved the show. And, um, and like most people, I then didn't think about Mr. Rogers for a long, long time. And about a decade ago, uh, he started popping up again. Um, I'd made a film with Yo-Yo Ma, the cellist, and Yo-Yo used to talk about Fred Rogers. Huh. And every time he talked about him, it surprised me. I mean, he, he was very close with Fred, and he would tell me stories about what a mentor Fred was and how funny Fred was. And uh, it just got me thinking about him in a different way. And, um, and then I think really it was me stumbling across some speeches that he gave on YouTube and just feeling really like this was a voice I didn't hear anywhere in the culture. Yeah. And I wanted to explore it more. And you know, that led me down the road of actually coming to make this film. That's incredible. So you kind of rediscovered, again, Mr. Rogers for yourself, like many of us had, like you said, watched him and forgotten. Did you, in that moment where you kind of remembered him and had these conversations with Yo-Yo Ma, was there a reflection on an impact that he had had on your life then as a child? Was there something you could point back to and say, uh, this was a difference or something he had taught you? Well, the thing is, you know, his real viewership was two to six-year-olds. Yeah. So, you know, I was watching it when I was starting when I was probably one or two. So a lot of that predates my memory, even. And I think for a lot of people. So when I thought back about the show, I had a great fondness and a kind of a feeling of warmth, and I remembered images and things, but I couldn't really tell you a lot about specific episodes. Yeah, I think that's you know, very similar something, to... A, that's yeah, similar it, probably to a lot of our experience with Mr. Rogers, I'm sure. Exactly. And so it wasn't until I started to look at what he was doing as an adult that I saw how, how complex it was and how it spoke to me as an adult even more profoundly than I think it speaks to a lot of children, that what he was doing worked on so many different levels at the same time. And that's what got me really excited about, about making the film. So as you studied his life and interviewed a number of people, and I got to see the film last week, and it really is incredible, the number of people uh, that interacted with him and the impact he had on them, what surprised you most about what you learned about Fred Rogers? The fundamental question about Fred Rogers is, um, is he for real? <laughs> that I think he's such a unique human being that people want to know um, what he was really like. And I feel like everything I learned about him was not shocking, but mm. it was surprising. You know, that, that there was nothing I found that was dissonant with my idea of him, yeah. but there were many things I found that were 
interesting, and you'd say, well, of course Mr. Rogers would act that way. So, for instance, um, you know, he was a lifelong vegetarian. Really? And he did that because he said he didn't want to eat anything that had a mother. Um, (laughs) He would wake up in the morning at 5 a.m., and he would read the Bible for an hour, uh, often in Hebrew or Greek, uh, which, which he spoke and read. You know, he swam a mile all day, as we discuss in the film. Yeah. I mean, everything makes sense. It's just um, a much more complex, deeper version of who the TV character was. Yeah. That, it sounds like he, he led a very disciplined life. Uh, same routine he every did. day? He did. I mean, he was, he was somebody that had you know, great willpower and, um, and a great kind of routine to everything. I mean, it, it, you know, yeah. his, his real calling in life, and we talk about this in the film, was really, uh, you know, ministerial work. Um, and I think he saw what he was doing on television as a direct extension of that. I mean, in fact, when he gra- graduated from the, um, the Pittsburgh uh, Presbury, in 1963, his ordination was assigned his ministry as television. So <laughs> I, I would venture to guess that he was literally the first televangelist in America. Um, <laughs> but he knew even at that time that what he was going to do, even though he was a minister, was to do a secular ministry for children, to basically yeah. explain to children how to understand the world. Yeah. Well, with a man that disciplined and that consistent, and you're talking to so many people who know him, I imagine it might have made it even easier for you as you're telling a story about a man. If he really was the same person everywhere he went or had the same day, uh, were there a lot of stories from people that you had to throw out because they weren't part of the narrative you were telling, or did it make it kind of easy for you because he was, seems like he was the same guy every day everywhere he went? Well, it actually made it more difficult. (laughs) Oh, really? Because in some ways you think about Mr. Rogers is the quintessential kind of two-dimensional character. I think in the popular conception, he's the nice guy in a cardigan who um, doesn't seem that dimensional. Huh. And he's a character who didn't seem to change. If you look at the show, the show from the late 60s through the early 2000s is virtually unchanged. Mm-hmm. And so on the surface of things, it's a challenge as a filmmaker because you've got a character who doesn't seem to have dramatic tension, who doesn't seem to have character development. Um, and so you're, <laughs> you have to wonder what's, what's the story. Yeah. But what you come to realize when you really dig into it is under the surface of all that, there were tremendous changes going on in him and the world. And there was a lot of tension in his life, largely around his insecurities and his doubts of the efficacy of his message. Yeah. And if it was getting through. Well, yeah, let me, speaking of that, let me ask you about that. He, uh, the movie does have a, a dynamic arc to it. It does explore some areas of the life that certainly will surprise people if their only familiarity with him is uh, his show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You do a, a beautiful job of showing who he was off screen and what motivated what he was on screen. Uh, but let's talk for a minute about maybe the lessons that he did teach, some things that, that you explore in the movie, but specifically, kind of touching off what we just mentioned, what did what do you feel like Mr. Rogers taught us maybe about 
about manhood. For for his time, he kind of subverted a stereotypical American man, yet he was this husband and a father. Is there anything yeah. that we can look at, at his example and say, this is what he taught us specifically about uh, subverting that stereotype and what he taught us about manhood? Well, what's interesting is, you know, he, he also studied, uh, did graduate work in childhood development yeah. in Pittsburgh. And the University of Pittsburgh had this really kind of cutting-edge center called the Arsenal Family Center, where the top child development people in the country were working on things. And so a lot of what he was doing, you know, a lot of basically thinking about childhood not as a monolithic thing, but thinking that, you know, a three-year-old has a different emotional life Mm. and maturity than a seven-year-old versus an 11-year-old. And in the 1960s, people didn't pay attention to those things. You know, parenting was basically, you know, you know, be seen and not heard, you know, or, you know, don't worry about it. Or, you know, there was kind of no appreciation for um, the sensitivities of childhood and the differences of childhood. And now I think a lot of what Fred was doing has become far more commonplace. Uh, But what he was doing was very cutting edge in terms of how people thought about childhood. So what he was doing in many ways was kind of modeling a different way of being a parent and a father. I mean, he definitely was not a macho kind of yeah. guy. And, um, but he was basically saying again and again, it's okay to be whatever kind of person you want to be. Mm-hmm. You don't ever have to be any kind of person or do any kind of thing to deserve human dignity. Yeah. Um, and that that's a very powerful message for a lot of people that maybe didn't fit into traditional molds. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, particularly, you know, say disabled kids, he had many disabled yeah. kids on the show. He had a very racially integrated yeah. neighborhood and, you know, visitors to the neighborhood. And, and he never made a big deal out of any of that. He said, this is just normal. And I think the normalizing of people who we didn't see on television was huge for, for many, many people. Yeah, that's incredible. It's, it's something almost that maybe our generation is a little bit more familiar with in a way that maybe he was, he was uh, uh, opening up something new, doing that on his program. And I think you make that really clear in the movie as well, how maybe controversial might be too strong a word, but certainly innovative. And uh, I think for a church, for a Christian church like us, where we talk so much about being a good neighbor, and it seems like that was so much the purpose of his show. As you talk to these people, as you talk to kids that had been on the program, his wife, you talk to a, a lot of the people that were on the show with him. Uh, and it looked, what was cool, I thought, in the movie is you, you showed not only was he trying to teach, teach the kids who were watching the show how to be a good neighbor, but you, you got to hear the stories from the people who were on the show with him about how he was a good neighbor to them, which is a beautiful, beautiful story arc for, for this man. But tell us a little bit about as you, as you got to interview these people and put together this film, and, and I'm sure watched hours of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, yes. what did he, <laughs> yes. what, what do you feel like he taught uh, our culture about being a good neighbor? It's very intimately connected with what you just talked about, but did you see that influence on how to be a good neighbor worked out in other people's lives because of the work that he did? I mean, I think he, what he was essentially doing was, you know, modeling for children how to behave as a person. So, you know, two to six-year-olds watching the show, 
they don't even have a sense of self when they're watching the show. And so what he did was help explain to people what it means to be a good neighbor, but really what that means is how do we live together, how do we treat other people, and how do we treat ourselves? I mean, I think these are like the fundamental questions he was he was talking about, and I, I feel like he really saw the two poles of, of human struggle as mm-hmm. being love on the one hand and fear on the other. And so he talked a lot about love, and he talked a lot about fear, because for him, fear was the thing that festered and became anger and hatred and resentment. So what he did again and again was try to try to help kids understand their fears hmm. and try and help them understand a world that could be very frightening yeah. to somebody that didn't understand it. And honestly, as an adult revisiting it, you know, the world still can be a frightening place. And that's part of what I think feels so healthy and cathartic about revisiting these messages. It's, it's a chance to kind of process um, you know how we see how we see our our world around us, how we see our neighborhood. Yeah. So this is this being a podcast uh, made by our church that explores the intersection of faith and culture. What do you think other Christians can learn by watching his example of being a Christian that made film, made art, made entertainment for a purpose? Is there a, is there a message there for us as as using? Uh, using our creativity in order to um, to uh, propagate a message, in order to uh, have a positive influence on our culture. What is the lesson there from a man like Fred Rogers? I mean, there are so many lessons from Fred, but I'd say, you know, one of them is that he, he's the least likely TV star in history because yeah. <laughs> he never actually liked television, and he didn't like being famous. And so for him... The reason to do the show was to get the message out there and really to reach children. And he realized that children are vulnerable and that most people making media for children are doing it to sell sugar and toys. So he was trying to do it in a very selfless way. He wouldn't merchandise things because he didn't want to pollute his relationship with his fans Mm. by trying to sell them things. Um, So there was kind of a purity that came up again and again in terms of how he treated kids on the show and then, you know, in the massive amount of correspondence he did with children and with meeting children again and again. But I think fundamentally he realized that the power of a tool like television, but also the power of the message, you know, and I I think a lot about what his his message, I I call it radical kindness, um, Mm. is how I've kind of digested it. But I I think Fred himself would have called it grace because grace was the idea he talked about probably more than any other, which is really this idea of putting good into the world and treating others with goodness, even if it's not deserved. Um, And that was something that I think makes for the healthiest of societies. If we can not expect something back for our good deeds, but just doing it, because it's the right thing to do. And I think that kind of positivity I find hugely inspiring today. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I mean, I was thinking about even watching your film and talking this morning. If there's, And you think about how different the market is now from when it was then and how even more so there's an amplified children's programming uh, driven by marketing, for marketing, for 
for toys, for to drive a, a consumer culture as opposed to a, a positive influence of kindness and grace. And if there's room even in today's market for uh, for a new generation of Mr. Rogers, or if he was a a once in a lifetime um, influence in our culture, do you, do you think there's room in our culture for another Mr. Rogers? I not not in the same way. Just because he was so unique and he came along at a certain moment where television had such cultural dominance. You know, we live in a culture of many screens these days and divided attention. Um, You know, I I think a lot about what Fred was also doing when you go back and look at his shows and the the talk about patience and silence and listening and all those things. People call it mindfulness in today's day and age, but I feel like there is a... Uh, a need for that kind of contemplation and space and thoughtfulness in our lives. Um, that, at the same time, seems pretty counter to pretty much how all media works <laughs> these yeah. days, you know, which is trying to grab eyeballs and, yeah. you know, keep prodding you to keep you watching or clicking or whatever it is. So I feel like there's space for it, but I don't see it happening in the more traditional kind of media space. I, I feel like we we crave those things, but we have to find them in different ways. And I'm not sure what that way is yet. Well, before we before we uh, let you go and, and talk a little bit about uh, why people should see the movie, is there anything that, that didn't make the movie that just didn't fit the narrative, but you really enjoyed or something you wish could have been in there, something fun that happened that maybe a, a behind the scenes, like if we had bought the DVD and saw... Uh, the extra scenes. What what got cut that you really wish could have made it? I mean, there were a number of different things. Uh, I mean, everything from uh, his sense of humor. I mean, we touch on it, but he was a very funny guy. Yeah. He he had all these voices for characters, some of whom, not just the puppets, but he had other characters' voices he used with friends that he would carry on years-long phone conversations with people under the guise of these <laughs> invented characters he had. Um, and, you know, there was another thing that he did that I found kind of amazing that's not in the film, which is he really wanted the shows to be evergreen, to kind of be very Timeless. current and be up to date with how he felt. And if he had done something in an old episode that he started to feel like, you know what, I didn't quite get that right, or maybe I said something a little insensitive there, or maybe I didn't really appreciate this person's feelings. He would put on his old clothes and shoot inserts and go fix old episodes. Wow. To make sure that they were, they felt good to him, uh, even as he changed. Wow. Which I think is very telling for him, too. Yeah. So, um... As we conclude, just give us maybe the elevator pitch on this movie. If somebody's wondering, should I go see it, and what is it about? Why why should somebody in 2018 go see a documentary about Mr. Rogers? I mean, I think, me personally, I made it because Fred Rogers was a voice that I needed to hear in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And having spent two years working on this film and hearing that voice every day, it was the most kind of loving, nurturing, helpful voice I could have heard. And from how people reacted to the film, I think it's a voice everybody is craving at this point. 
somebody who is loving and grown up and empathetic and yeah. helping us understand the big scary world out there. Yeah, it almost feels like a fresh voice, even though it's it's one from uh, kind of nostalgia for us. It, watching the movie felt like this is some lessons that I needed to to rehear, even though I'm sure I saw that episode, like you said, when I was six, yeah. and and it didn't maybe register, but. But now, I mean, it's even watching him do his uh, his PSA on nine eleven, which I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But that was that was eye opening for me to 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 think of a nation looking to a man like Mister Rogers in a moment of need and hurt, almost like he would look to a father to say, "What do I need to think?" and "Will you bring me some comfort?" And so, I really appreciate uh, Morgan your your work to bring back to the surface a voice that a lot of us could remember, but probably didn't remember well enough what he said, and then give us a little picture of who that man is and who that man was. So thank you so much, and thanks for your time this morning, Morgan. Thanks so much for having me. All right, well, guys, let's jump right in talking about Mr. Rogers, some of the stuff that's more uh, interesting to me and maybe connects better with what uh, topics we've covered on the podcast before is just how he was a, a cultural force about the influence that he had. So let's talk about Mr. Rogers specifically as a person and as his ideas. Uh, why was Mr. Rogers so radical for his time? What was his cultural impact? You guys, I assume, saw Mr. Rogers growing up. It's not a recent revelation to you. Yeah, um, this is interesting. So, I, you know, I watched Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. Like David mentioned earlier, I sort of... Not not forgot about him, but just it, well, he wasn't top of mind. Yeah, I guess maybe forgot about him. And then my kids started watching Daniel Tiger. And then I remember watching, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but he's receiving some sort of like Lifetime Achievement Award. Either it's an Emmy or it's an Oscar of some sort. I don't know. And this Mr. is Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. This is after his career is over. And he sort of goes on stage. And in his acceptance speech, he brings like the entire audience to tears. Just by this is like you know Hollywood or whatever, right? So yeah. it's not a room that like typically thinks of like Mister Rogers as even being a part of who they are. But he goes up there and he actually sort of asks them to remember somebody in their life who has, you know, sort of propelled them forward, who's meant a lot to him. And it was it deeply inspirational. It was profound. It was deep. And he was able to sort of speak to a group of people who who frankly he doesn't fit in with, right? Yeah. In a way that deeply impacted them. And that to me was, um, I, when I saw that, I saw that after I started watching Daniel Tiger, I think I got in like a kick, you know, I talk about getting in my YouTube black holes a lot on the show. <laughs> and I think that this was one of them. And I watched that and I just remember, th- th- so to answer this question, it's a, to me, that was a microcosm of what he was. He really was doing profoundly radical things in that sort of soft Fred Rogers way, right? Yeah. The fact that this human being could talk about the things he was talking about uh, uh, at a time when, I mean, frankly, you know, um, there was animosity, not uh, not too different from today, right? Yeah. Uh, that he could reach people in profound ways, but he did it in a way that was never, it never seemed offensive. It never seemed, somehow it always just, you felt like he was loved. your neighbor. You yeah. felt loved. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that we haven't even talked about is, you know, that Fred was an ordained Presbyterian minister and um, this came up in the interview right. um, with the director, with Morgan, and he was just talking about how basically like when he was commissioned out of the church, at, at, he had graduated seminary, yep. you know, he's, his his mission field is television. And yeah. so um, it was super radical because this is a Christian 
a man who has deeply, you know, been informed, been is inspired and motivated by the gospel and the message, you know, the implications of the gospel, I think, on how we interact with one another, how we see one another. And that's just like in every piece of the show. And it was probably innovative because not only was he taking on controversial issues was, you know, race, but then he was, you know, he was also getting into like nitty gritty things like divorce. Yeah. Um, and he's talking and death. to, yeah. And death. And he's talking to kids yeah. about these issues, which I, I just don't think that that had happened on like a regular basis on like a children's television no. show at the time. No. And then like the thing that stood out to me too, that just made him so different was just who he was as a man. Um, and this is, this again came up in the conversation. I'm most compelled by this kind of angle when I think about Mr. Rogers is like he redefined manhood. When you think about like the mid-century American dad, you know, stereotypical as this more manly sort of leader, you know, um, patriarch, whatever you want to call it. And then here's this guy who's gentle, Mm -hmm. who listens, who loves to be around kids and and just listens to kids tell their stories or share how they're feeling. And a lot of people didn't know what to do with that. They're like, and you know, this is in the still wouldn't. Yeah. And they still wouldn't. And this came up in the movie. Like there were, he was put on the spot on a few, in a few interviews, like asked if he was straight. Mm -hmm. And this was a guy who was married Mm -hmm. and who had kids Yet people like they just didn't know they didn't this this was a man who was not behaving in the way that they thought that a man would behave and I thought I just think that that part of it was really subversive yeah in a, in a really cool way I think one of the more interesting things about Mister Rogers and this comes uh, it, it's very clear in the film uh, but anybody who hasn't seen the film will still I think resonate with this is that you couldn't cast Mister Rogers you couldn't start with an idea for a show and then find that man but if you start with that man and then you built a show around him and really he built that show because the nature of the show and the lessons he taught came out of such a place of sincerity. And so if it didn't come from a genuine heart, if this wasn't the way the man genuinely felt and who he was when the cameras turned off, then this kind of show would fall apart. Because you can do that maybe if you're marketing to kids or if you're selling something to kids, but you have to have a genuine man to be the kind of archetypal person that you're talking about. So as Christians... As Christians who are deeply interested in being good neighbors, what are the lessons that we that either you guys remember from from Mister Rogers, or that now you can extrapolate based on what you know of what the man was trying to get a, get across? What what do we get from the example that Fred Rogers has put out there? Yeah, for me, it's it's less about like a show that's like a, like moral tales or something like that. Yeah, I, I really. You know, um, after watching that video that I was telling you guys about, uh, I found out that he was this ordained Presbyterian minister, and he actually saw his—he saw television as a mission field. He saw it as his ministry. Um, And so uh, now, going back, and as my kids watch the show, um, and even some themes in Daniel Tiger, I really don't think you can divorce— his faith from what he was doing on the show. That's what's so incredible to me. So, and I mean it sort of in an overarching sense, this idea of being a neighbor, this idea of loving people well and what that looks like. And, um, you know, even as I think about uh, talking to kids about really deep and troubling things, he never saw kids uh, as like little creatures to sort of be patted on the head, you know, and sort of managed. He like got into their world. And, and in other words, he thought about being a neighbor to children, right? The least of these in a sense, as the Bible would yeah, say. That's what I was going to say. I it's just, amazing. The listening part the is listening. what sticks out so much to me because even like as a Christian, sometimes when I'm like watching the show and then knowing that, you know, he's this Presbyterian minister, I'm like, Oh, 
is he going to say something here because, you know, this kid's talking and they're kind of saying something maybe, you know, crazy. They're heretical. Just yeah. yeah, heretical. Yeah, yeah. But he, like, most of the time he just doesn't jump there. Granted, it's a TV show. Totally. He, you know, he, there's some limitations. But um, I feel like he just wanted to, like, create space for mm-hmm. people just to kind of let it out, share how they're feeling, and genuinely interested in how they're feeling, not yeah. just looking to give them the right answer. And yeah, the fact that he could do that with kids. And then the the other thing that like as a Christian creative and thinking about making art um, that sticks out to me a lot is just the innovation with this show. You watch it today and you're like, oh, this wasn't innovative at all. Like the puppets are a little bit creepy. <laughs> um, there's just some weird stuff. And, Big but, time. And, and it was weird for its day. And I love that because I think as Christians, what our tendency to do when we create like Christian artists and, it, you know, anyone can get on this soapbox to just pick on, you know, Christian art or whatever. But we tend to just want to look at like what's going on in culture and then copy that and just make it, a, you know, a Christian version um, but Fred Rogers, like he, he did his own thing. Like it, it was just completely him. The fact that he would bring music into it. Yeah. Um, he is most of the time when I'm watching the show, I'm like, it just looks like he's trying to hang out with people that he likes and that he, <laughs> that he respects. And he's just finding ways to like bring, bring, him, the, on yeah, bring him on the show. Like, yeah. and he did, he did like, it was a very specific personal vision that isn't trying to imitate something else that's going on in culture at the time. And I think that's what made it so effective. Yeah. I, one of the things I think we can take from him is he had a propensity to to find those in his society and culture who people didn't know what to do with when you talk about being a good neighbor to, and then he would bring them on the show, whether that was somebody that was a different race than him, somebody that was physically handicapped, and he really normalized loving them as a neighbor on television without being in your face and saying, this is what today's episode is about. Yes. I'm going to have a kid in a wheelchair, and I'm going to talk to him like a normal person. He just did it. And uh, the the movie makes clear some of the things that maybe our society is not as uncomfortable with anymore, but were at the time, how he was innovative in that world. And I was challenged thinking about who are those people right now or who are those cultures or who are those uh, neighbors among us who are social pariahs that I could do a better job of not only loving but demonstrating love without making it the reason I'm doing it and making it an in-your-face idea of this is what I'm about. But Mr. Rogers was so good at that. It was just because it was so genuine. So for us Christians, when we talk about neighboring, why is it so important for us in our current cultural landscape to think about the things that Mr. Rogers brought up decades ago to continue kind of maybe in the same legacy, maybe in the same thread, maybe to revisit it. But why is it so important in our current cultural landscape? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say I don't want a soapbox, but I always do. Why don't we get on a soapbox? Well, that, a come soapbox. on, soapbox time. Soapbox. I think in some we ways— We need to have a theme song for your soapbox. Yeah, we do. We'll play it right here. Okay. <laughs> and then let's bing, get bing, 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 yeah. And then you'll yeah. pop up. Yeah. Maybe a little Fred Rogers. You know he composed most of the music for oh, the yeah. show. I mean, oh, yeah. it, to, so when David talked about art, that was really—it was interesting. He sort of stuck to his craft in a really innovative and cool way. Anyways, uh, yeah— I think maybe we need the message of of what it means to be a neighbor and a good neighbor and and right now maybe more than ever. I actually feel like as there's there's probably a million different reasons. One of them is sort of the uh, social media phenomenon of I don't know anybody or I only I know everybody about an inch deep, but I don't really know anybody. I know have a lot of acquaintances like you know, I'm connected with some person who also likes mu- the same music I do, 
you know, who lives 300 miles away, but I don't know the person next door right. to me. Uh, but then also I think the political atmosphere and where we find ourselves, it's like we don't know how to be neighbors. All we know about today is how to protect ourselves and make sure the the people who are out to get us don't get us. So yeah. how do we? what's self-protection look like? And and what you saw and what you just talked about in, in Fred Rogers' show uh, is that being a neighbor um, actually – has a lot more to do with listening and actually being a little bit vulnerable. And, and, and what I mean by that is entering into somebody else's world. It's not yeah. really about your needs or what you want. It's more about being interested and hearing from them and those kind of things. But and he so, was so good too at saying things that we would be uncomfortable saying or think we can we need to kind of dance around yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would say he, he had this conversation with a little boy who was in the wheelchair, which uh, is kind of an iconic image. And he says, I bet sometimes you do feel blue. As if, like, yeah. both relating, we all feel blue, but yeah. not pretending like, hey, so you're happy we're on a TV show, let's pretend we're happy. Yeah, yeah, totally. And he says, but I don't feel blue right now. And it's just this sweet, tender moment. He of was giving real. permission to say, yeah. He yeah, was I not bet, plastic I bet sometimes at all. this is yeah. not as fun, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's that um, instilling into people a sense of personhood and dignity and yes. value. And like you said earlier, Adam, it's, it's especially those who are the outsiders, the outcasts. And I think, yeah, we can quickly go to who those people are right now in our current cultural context, especially I think about, you know, um, refugees, you know, or just someone who doesn't look like us. I think about the elderly. I think about how rarely, personally, I very rarely think about the lonely elderly in my community and think, how could I be a better neighbor when I know there's people starving for attention? I have it to give and don't. Yeah. And you're you're not only giving them attention and sharing, like, showing them that you care, but you're you're taking your privilege, your leadership, which is what he did when he brought people onto the show and you're like raising them up and mm-hmm. saying like this person's not just a person, but they are that you know they they've been created uniquely, yeah. they're beautiful, what the gifts that God's given them, you know, um, are beautiful. So it's it's kind of both of those things. The neighborly day in this beauty would the neighborly day for a beauty would you be mine? Could you be mine? Well, if there's anything you heard on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can find details on our website at tvcresources.net. And unfortunately for us and for you, this is our last episode of the season. We're going to take a little bit of a break, and we will be back in the fall with some fresh stuff. So we will see you next time. God bless, and thank you for listening. We might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor?